Good morning. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the January 31st, 2024 meeting of the Budget and Finance Committee. I'm Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee, and I'm joined by Vice Chair Raphael Mandelman and Supervisor Mirna Malgar. Our clerk is Brent Halipa, and uh, would like to also thank uh, SFGovTV James uh, Kawana uh, for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcement? Yes, Madam Chair, just a friendly reminder. Uh, to those in attendance, to please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices so as to not to enter prior proceedings. Uh, should you have any documents to be included as part of the file, they should be submitted to myself, the clerk. Uh, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, please line up to speak on the west side of the chamber to your right, my left, uh, right along those curtains. And while not necessary to provide public comment, we do invite you to fill out a comment card and leave them on the tray by the television to your left, um, let's see, uh, by the doors, uh, if you wish to be accurately recorded for the minutes. Uh, alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Finance Committee Clerk, at brent uh, J-A-L-I-P-A, at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment by email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. Uh, you may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's one, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of February 6th, unless otherwise stated. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And uh, before I call item number one, um, we'd just like to inform the public that we um, typically um, for items that have budget and legislative analyst report, we will go to department presentation, then followed by the report, and then we'll go to questions, then we go to public comments. And today, items two to six actually have budget and legislative analyst report. And with that, Mr. Clerk, please call item number one. Yes, item number one is a hearing regarding the timeline for lead and asbestos remediation completion and the consequences of extensive closure of parts of the Richmond Senior Center on operations and service delivery and requesting the Department of Building Inspection, Department of Disability and Aging Services, and Felton Institute to report. And uh, we did receive a request for interpretive services in Cantonese for this hearing. And in partnership with our Office of Civic Engagement and Immigrant Affairs, we are aided by Tinky Wong uh, when we open public comment. Uh, I do ask uh, uh, Tinky Wong to uh, approach the lectern and provide her instructions of public comment. Thank, thank you, um, Mr. Clerk. Oh, no, oh. Uh, Thank you much, thank you, um, and Madam Chair. Thank you, uh, Mr. Clerk. Um, I just uh, wanted to comment that, you know, today we're calling this, um, today 
we're calling this hearing for an update on the status of the Richmond Senior Center. And that actually, uh, I just want to say how much I love the Senior Center. Um, it's really been a longstanding uh, institution in the Richmond, providing really critical services uh, for really hundreds of District 1 um, seniors. But I also want to say they welcome all the seniors on the west side, including those who would take um, 29 uh, sunset to comes to the Richmond and they really um, have been great but they are most certainly wonderful and really critical during the pandemic um, serving our seniors uh, with uh, delivery and uh, and food pantry food food delivery and uh, food pantry uh, Richmond senior centers also has been critical um, when they really help those seniors and people with disabilities uh, with this really great event called One Heart Thing, uh, meaning they recruit volunteers, they go out, they go out to the seniors and people with disabilities' homes to support them with any type of chores that they couldn't do uh, on their own. Um, so it, they have been a great partner to the Richmond community and our seniors and people with disabilities. So over a year ago in the winter of 2022, um, they alert me that you know their landlord, um, the Felton Institute, had to close down the facility uh, for what was originally supposed to be a uh, six to eight weeks period of capital improvements, which makes sense. It's a space that really need that love and care, uh, and so that we can better serve our seniors. Um, but then, uh, more than a year later, though, this work is still incomplete. And there were a lot of back and forth um, between our office and Richmond Senior Center um, and really city agencies that came together, including the Department of Building Inspection, really been helpful in stepping up to the plate to help us problem solve. Of course, also um, DAS and, and our Human Services uh, Agency all really came to try to figure this out for Richmond Senior Center. All with the goal is we recognize how critical the center is, uh, the services that it provides to our community. Um, and really, uh, the Felton Institute has been a partner to the city as well in providing services not just to our seniors, uh, but really uh, the most vulnerable communities not just in the Richmond, but really citywide. It has been incredibly, though, uh, disappointing uh, in this case as property landlord um, that over this whole year, it, it, the communication just has not been good. Um, Valton Institute, as a landlord, has not been responsive um, to our needs and to uh, to our community's needs and to our uh, nonprofit tenant, um, or I should say their nonprofit tenant. Um, so today's hearing will give um, the public an understanding of, you know, this situation and dynamic and what can we do. Also, hopefully lesson learned through this um, presentations is that what can the city do uh, in a, in a way that we can do better to support our nonprofit partners when they have to deal with let their landlord and their facility issues. Um, I think that this uh, dynamic has also been a long understanding. Uh, it's a challenge that our nonprofit communities face. It's a reason why um, we have heard about uh, eviction notice. We have heard about you know displacements of our nonprofit partners. Uh, the fears about have to close down, especially during the pandemic, about rent and all that you know um, challenges that any tenants would face. Um, 
is the same thing that our nonprofit partners have been facing. Uh, it's the reason why we have things like the API Equity Fund to support uh, our organizations, particularly serving the API community, so that they can actually acquire um, their spaces uh, for, for long-term and a sustainable operation. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to um, DOS. Uh, I believe we have um, the Program Director, Office of Community Partners here that please introduce yourself and that uh, go ahead with your presentation. Good morning, Supervisors. Um, committee staff. My name is Mike Zog. I am with the Department of Disability and Aging Services. I'm the program director of the Office of Community Partnerships. We're a unit in DOS. We do the, the bulk of the work um, in funding of community partners uh, to provide services out in the community. Uh, a wide variety of services all within the mission of the department which is to um, improve the safety, well-being, and independence of older adults, adults with disabilities, um, and veterans in San Francisco. I'm joined today by our Executive Director, Kelly Dearman, who is here in the audience, as well as um, DOS OCP program staff, who really are providing a lot of the legwork uh, when situations like this come up. Um, as I mentioned, we, um, my unit does a lot of work with community providers. We work quite closely with both uh, Richmond Senior Center and Felton Institute. Um, some of these things are a little bit, uh, were kind of covered in, in Supervisor uh, Chan's original uh, comments, but I want to dig a little bit deeper to really highlight the importance of services being provided, um, particularly at Richmond Senior Center. Um, you see here are our list of our grants. Um, the majority of these are actually based at the 6221 Geary site. Um, today's focus is on Richmond Senior Center. I do want to take a quick second and acknowledge um, the work that Felton Institute does for us. These are very important programs that they are providing to support older adults and adults with disabilities. Um, at the Richmond Senior Center site, we, we have a long list here. Our Aging and Disability Resource Center, um, we have one of these in each district. This is the site for District 1. Um, this is where people can go if they need information, um, referral to resources, or just need assistance. This is, hey, can you tell me more about caregiving services? Or, you know, I got this letter in the mail and it seems important and I either can't understand what it says or need help, need help filling things out. Uh, we have a congregate meal um, service happening there in conjunction with Project Open Hand. We have a um, DOS-owned computer lab. Our computers are placed in there. There's organized training there to help people um, learn how to use technology devices and bridge the digital divide. Home-delivered groceries is happening. So again, we're supporting the nutritional needs of the community, as well as these both programs both create um, opportunities to um, uh, for social interaction and to reduce um, social isolation. Uh, we also have a couple community services programs. These are offering a lot of hours of educational opportunities, activities, um, socialization, and meaningful opportunities to engage in their community. Uh, just kind of uh, some stats and data on what that means. We know that since July 1st of 2023, this fiscal year, over 15,000 meals have been served at the Richmond Senior Center. Um, they've done over 1,200 assists at the ADRC. An, an assist or an assistance is one individual transaction helping someone uh, with an, an issue they're having. So we have had over 1,200 uh, transactions. That's across over 500 people. Um, 1,500 hours of the educational and socialization opportunities. 
When we look at a year, every year we're asking the Richmond Senior Center, or we're funding them to deliver over 10,000 grocery bags in the community, um, over 480 hours of structured computer training at their site, um, and at least 1,000 service hours. This is service out in the community, things like the, the one hard thing um, that, that the supervisor had, had mentioned earlier. So all this is to say that it is important that the Richmond Senior Center be intact, safe, up and functioning. It is one of our, um, it is a focus on District 1. It is a focus on the northwestern side of the city. It is an important resource, um, particularly for people in that area of the city. When we look at the impacts of the construction that happened over the last year, there are measurable impacts. We see that in our data, um, particularly in the period of November. Uh, 2022 to spring of 2023, there are uh, marked reductions. This is when the site was essentially closed and really nothing could be happening. So marked reductions in our ADRC, Aging and Disability Resource Center, um, our computer training just pretty much didn't happen. And a lot of those socialization um, activities also were, were, were quite reduced. If anything, the fact that uh, services did continue um, during that period really speaks to the resilience and commitment of Richmond Senior Center staff who looked for alternative ways to do things, scheduling things out in the community, utilizing um, virtual or phone um, to, to deliver services, also to go um, and delivery of meals and, and groceries. Uh, when we think about the timeline, so again, we were notified in fall of 2022 that this service would happen. Um, it all kind of made sense that it was gonna happen in a start time in November 2022 with a six to eight week completion time. Um, we have gone well past that. We saw major service impacts that, that lasted through spring of 2023. It was not until that time that staff were even really able to reaccess the building and start using the space in any meaningful way. Um, there are areas of the community center that remain unfinished still today. Um, as best we can tell, these are mired in delays related to construction delays um, and the, the building um, inspection and approval process, which is a little bit outside of our expertise and sort of hard to discern where the efficiencies are and where we can push on those things. How is DOS involved in this? DOS became much more involved really in September of last year. Um, in talking with Richmond Senior Center, they are very frustrated about this situation, justifiably so. It is impacting their ability to provide services. They are, we are tasking them with providing a welcoming, warm environment that, that brings the community in and has people coming into and engage. And a site under construction is, usually, is not really consistent with that, with that mission. We have um, had dedicated staff who are working between the different folks. We've talked with Richmond Senior Center leadership um, regularly to understand their frustration um, and hear their issues. We've talked with Felton Institute leadership. Um, we have heard from them that they do have a, they understand the situation. They do have a, they have expressed a commitment to completing this work. Um, we've also been in regular touch with property management for the site to get updates on construction and hear how things are going. Um, as far as kind of next steps from here, um, we've seen a lot of, there's been a lot of inactivity for much of 2023. We've seen a lot of increased activity over the past weeks or month. 
Um, there is improved communication between Richmond Senior Center leadership and Felton uh, leadership on this topic. We are seeing, um, we are hearing that construction is actually happening at the site. There were many weeks when nothing was happening and it was very unclear what was happening. People are back, uh, construction crews are back at the site and working. Um, it seems like things are moving towards um, completion. We are still, it is hard to still get a completed, uh, a completion timeline. Um, there is, people are mentioning March and April at this point, um, but again, I think something that the department struggles with are when we get into the world of construction delays and the building inspection and approval process, um, it's hard for us to really discern what's, what's, what's real and what, what expectations are realistic in that area. My summary, I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. I think this is a good leeway to totally get that, you know, uh, DOS cannot get into the realm of construction, and I think that's where we're going to bring our next uh, presentation up, uh, which is the Department of Building Inspection, uh, who has been a partner uh, in this to help us problem solve, but most importantly, tracking um, the status of the construction and what we can do the next step. So. I think um, they're giving a verbal presentation today. There's not a formal presentation. Uh, if um, Department of Building Inspection can come uh, step forward to just help us understand um, what steps has the city been taking, and also from the from your perspective, from the Department of Building Inspection uh, perspective, what is the holdup and how we can complete and or you know support both Falta Institute and uh, Richmond Senior Center to really have a, a resolution uh, with construction and to completion. Uh, sure, good morning, commissioners. I'm Matthew Green. I'm acting deputy director for inspection services at the Department of Building Inspection. I think Carl has some slides here. So um, we first got involved in this process in, in April of 2023. We received a notice of violation. Sorry, we received a complaint for work being done without building permit on the third floor. And we responded to that. And we, you know, there weren't any um, valid building permits for the work. And we wrote a notice of violation. Um, <clears throat> Basically, the notice of violation was they removed and replaced sheetrock from walls and ceilings in office and assembly area on the third floor, uh, no valid permits at the time, and we asked them to obtain a um, proper building permit with the proper approvals to do this, to do this work. Um, the normal process is you would pull your building permits prior to starting to work. Um, they did, so we wrote that notice of violation in April of 2023. Um, Acme Builders came in on May 15th of 2023 and filed for a building permit to comply with this notice of violation. Uh, the permit was approved and issued in July of 2023. Um, they, they scheduled one inspection with us in, in July of 2023. Um, and basically they weren't ready for the, for the inspection. Our, our inspector said the comments were contractor not ready for roof frame inspection, fire, plumbing, electrical. Um, rough inspections needed before building inspection can be performed. So what he means there is there was electrical work and there was plumbing work that all needed to be inspected prior to the building inspector giving the okay to cover up. So um, there was a bit of a delay then. We didn't get any inspections for a while. Uh, the electrical inspections were, the cover up approval was just received in November of this year 
and there's still some outstanding corrections that needed to be to the plumbing. Um, we issued a correction notice in November 15th, and the last, they scheduled another inspection on November 29th. The plumbing corrections hadn't been made at that time. Um, I mean, the issue from our part is they should have got a building permit with the proper plans uh, prior to the work being started, and there's a normal process for inspections. We want um, everything inspected prior to cover-up, meaning if there's new wiring, we'd want a rough uh, electrical inspection. If there's new plumbing, we want a rough plumbing inspection. And then we do the rough building inspection, they cover up with their sheetrock, and then we come back again at the final. So we look at the final uh, plumbing fixtures, final electrical fixtures, and um, then, then complete the building permit. Um, I, I would say at this stage, we're, we're waiting for the, we get complaints from now to now and we go out there. Um, they have been proceeding with the, like the electrical work is up to code at the moment, st still some corrections that needed to be made for the plumbing. Uh, there's other complaints we received about roofing without permit. They got the proper permit for that. Uh, there was a complaint that the, uh, boil, the, uh, they didn't have the proper permit to operate the boiler. Uh, they're up to current with that at the moment. Um, but from DVI's point of view, we're, we're actually waiting for the contractor to schedule the final inspections and we can move forward. Um, I'm happy for, to answer any questions you may have. Just, a, just a one quick question. And I clearly from your presentation that um, the notice of violation was filed in April 2023, but we know that as um, you know, talked about that earlier, but Richmond Senior Center will also make their presentation. We know that this work was actually started in winter 2022, um, and it was long before even DBI came along to uh, issue the notice of violation, but along the way throughout the year of 2023, um, I. When, deep, when what you just said as a conclusion is that throughout this time, um, again and again, all these really just are waiting for them to complete the work so the inspector can sign off for the work completed. But it seems like it, it just has not been happening. C correct. And, and I would also add that this is fairly minor work. Um, I don't know why it's taking so long. It, yeah. it, it, it could be done. I would have thought it'd be done a lot sooner than this, but and I don't know the intricacies of the construction company that's performing this Totally, project. but um, from your perspective, understanding the work that needs to be done um, in order for this inspector to sign off, so clearly you know the work that needs to be done to get there, um, how long usually would it take? Because you just mentioned that it's, it's seemingly um, straightforward, simple work, but... Um, I'd say it's reasonable from start to finish, probably three months to do the work. Which is similar to kind of what they estimated uh, at the beginning, which is six to eight sure. weeks of work. And there's always contingencies, so you'd add a month or two just in, you know. Of course. We, we always discover stuff we're not expecting when we open up walls. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your presentation. Um, I don't have any more questions. Um, and then we'll go to uh, Richmond Senior Center for the presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Kaleido Walling. I'm with the Richmond Senior Center. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm going to use two laptops because I can read my notes on one.
First, I'd like to start by thanking supervisors very much for having this hearing. It's been a really difficult uh, 14 months for us, and um, what I've heard so far has been more than I've heard in those 14 months. Um, I now feel a lot more informed, and I wish that I could have had those conversations with Felton back in March when we were first starting to be frustrated with the process. Um, I just want to quickly go through a little bit about what we've been going through and um, why we're here so that it doesn't have to happen like this again. Um, ideally, we should be able to have conversations throughout, understand that there will be times when we have delays, um, and just sort of have that communication going back and forth, and I don't think it should ever have come to a situation where we have to have a hearing. Um, so let me just share a little bit with what has been going on with the Richmond Senior Center. Um, how am I going to do this with two? So we did learn about the lead and asbestos needing to be addressed, and um, we knew that it was going to take five to seven weeks is what we were told. Um, we were going to start on no in November of 2022, and we were okay with that. We weren't thrilled, but we also were happy that it was going to be taking and making our, our space safe because that's important to us. We were really eager to reopen. Um, we had been closed for quite a while because of COVID, and in September we had hoped to be reopening, sort of our grand reopening, and instead we were told we were going to actually have to move everything out of our center and be off-site for a couple of months, <clears throat> which we did. Um, and we are, um, <laughs> we're, these are some photos of us packing up so that we could get everything that we actually owned out of the building and down into the garage. So we actually are surviving out of the garage. That's where all of our supplies are. We are continuing to do limited programming and we do have to trek into the garage to get things whenever we're hosting events or doing arts and crafts. Um, and sometimes we have to drive those items to another location that we're having to rent in order to host a large number of people. Um, the completion date was gonna be December 21st. We were expecting that, or maybe a little longer, so we were thinking maybe in early January of 2023 that we'd be reopen. It was about three weeks into the um, work that we were informed that it was looking like it was gonna be another six weeks. Um, we weren't told exactly why, but we were told the great news was that when we did um, get the place back in January, um, it would be all of our space and we could reopen. And we were kind of excited, except for we never thought that we wouldn't get all of our space back. We thought that that was the intent. Um, so when we uh, finally got to have a meeting in the end of December of 2022 with um, ACME and with the project manager from Felton, they informed us that uh, we would be getting most of our space back on Jan um, January 16th, but that there was going to be a second phase. And this was the first we were learning about this. This is now the end of the year, um, past the date that we were thought we were gonna be reopening, and we're learning that when we reopen, there's gonna be a second phase. And on this map, you have um, everything in red is gonna be the second phase. So we were being told that we could reopen, we could resume work, um, but what we wouldn't have available is what's in red. And what's in red is both our bathrooms and our kitchen, uh, the hallway to the emergency exit that we need in order to have more than 40 people in our building. Um, so we clearly couldn't resume um, when we expressed that. Um, ACME was frustrated that we hadn't let them know what we needed. 
um, to reopen, which was shocking to us, um, but agreed reluctantly to speed up the work and get one of our bathrooms and our kitchen ready in time so that we could um, actually function and have our staff on site and a number of seniors. But unfortunately, that was gonna push the time back and that meant that February was when we were gonna be able to resume. So that's another change for us. So in February, when we got back to the center, um, we were starting to look around and finding a lot of things wrong, a lot of things were missing. Um, this was a pivotal one. Um, our only working restroom didn't have plumbing. The uh, hands-free faucets that we had purchased and installed um, in preparation for post-COVID um, reopening was gone, and we were told um, that it was missing or broken and that they had reordered it, and not to worry, they would get it done um, by March 10th. So now we're looking at March 10th as the new date. And these, these changes go on and on and on, and we are not getting any kind of feedback directly from Felton leadership. Um, it wasn't until um, in early January when they started removing um, debris from our bathroom and our kitchen where um, my staff noticed that they were not using PPE. So um, this debris that you're seeing in this photo was um, taken down our elevator through our lobby and plopped into our driveway. You can see right behind there is where all of our items were that we were accessing for uh, senior activities. Um, so we were concerned that contaminated debris was sitting um, exposed. Uh, so that had us very concerned. There were a lot of other concerns that we had, um, items being broken and not being replaced. Um, a big one for us was the leaking windows. So we had complained for years about the leaking windows, um, and we complained prior to the remediation starting, and we were assured that it would be taken care of. Um, in this photo, you can see that the windows leaked, and this is the brand new painted um, remediated windowsill that is now pe peeling and bubbling, and that was happening, and we were sharing that. Um, now I understand what's happening with the notice of violations. We saw a notice of violations go up. Um, part of the reason why things were delayed, we were told that they were waiting for permits, but this was back before the notice of violations, um, which it turns out uh, were there because they didn't have permits. So, um, so we're now realizing that we're not getting an honest uh, communication from ACME or from the uh, person in charge with uh, managing the project. Um, they're telling us at this point that they probably can't resume work until June 20th, now that there's this notice of violation because they have to have certain inspections and evidently now I've learned they need uh, permits that they didn't have. Um, so that's it was a hard one for us to swallow. We have started programming at the center um, without um, a second bathroom that's ADA compliant. Um, we had uh, limited people on site for a while where we didn't have more than 40 people because the back emergency exit was blocked and the fire department came out and told us that we couldn't have more than 40 people on at any time until that was removed, and I believe a notice of violation was posted for that as well. Um, we finally heard from Marvin Davis in mid-June. Um, mind you, we've been reaching out since uh, December of 2022, so it's now June of 2023, and we hear from Marvin Davis saying he's a sorry that he hasn't been in touch, and he takes ownership for the lack of communication. He's going to get to the bottom of this, and he's going to let us know <clears throat> 
uh, the end date, when, when the end is in sight, and he assures us that it is September 4th. So we are delighted. We finally have a date from Felton that says we can reopen and we can tell our seniors for real this time we're gonna reopen on September 4th. So September 4th comes and goes, and we don't get an email, we don't get a call. Uh, we have no explanation as to why it hasn't happened and what's going to happen. So that's when we were forced to file a grievance. And we filed a grievance with Felton's board of directors. This is after I counted up to 25 emails, there were definitely more, that we sent to Al Gilbert and to Marvin Davis asking, please, can we have a conversation? Can we have a meeting? Please help get this under control. Um, we didn't get a response from their board which is shocking because we have a grievance policy that we have to adhere to. And if somebody were to complain to our board, I can guarantee you our board would respond. Um, October 19th, the seniors got frustrated and they filed a grievance because they know the policy and they know that if they file a grievance, DOS has to do something. So that did activate DOS and they did get started with um, investigating and I really appreciate what they were able to find out and some of the motivation that they helped create. Um, the the Grievance that was filed by the seniors, they actually posted on um, uh, change.org and they have 700 signatures at this point um, supporting getting our senior center open. And then we attended a public board meeting um, at the Felton Institute's board. Uh, it was over Zoom and a number of our seniors got to speak, um, but a number of us didn't and uh, all of us were kicked out of the meeting um, as soon as they felt that uh, public comment had ended. It didn't go for 30 minutes, and we were not allowed to stay for the full meeting, but it was supposed to be a public meeting. Um, we heard from uh, Al Gilbert on December 5th, and that's the first I heard from him. He, um, except for, I'm sorry, way back in January, Nick called him, got a hold of him. He said, Nick, I can't believe you're dealing with this. I'm going to call you back tomorrow, and we never heard from him again. We heard from him in December. Um, he said, I'm working with my board, I want to respond to your grievance, and we're going to give you an answer. You can expect something on December 11th. So this is what our center looks like. It's well past December 11th, and I have not received any word as to what the status is, when it's going to be done. I heard now um, through, through you all that it looks like maybe in April or March or May. Um, so it would be nice if today we can hear from Al Gilbert what what can we expect? And why did it take this? Why did we have to have a hearing to have a conversation that could have happened, you know, eight, nine, ten months ago um, and saved all of us the stress and the headache? Um, we've done a lot to make the senior center functional. Um, we have um, go ahead and invested in the bathroom. Um, we do not have a functioning uh, disability opening door, the electric isn't set up yet. Um, this is the back room and the ceiling, the emergency exit, which was uh, miswired. And then this is sort of into what was our boardroom where we hosted a lot of activities. And so we're here hoping to get answers and hoping to find a way to not have this be the way it happens in the future so that we can actually communicate. Thank you. I I want to say thank you so much for all your patience and thank you so much for all your work. Um, it, I, it, I think that the Richmond Senior Center has been very cooperative and have been very patient with Felton Institutes and all the city agencies that you've been working with. I think you've been 
like cordial. You've been you've been you've been very respectful and just and and always in a very fact-finding tone uh, in all your communications. Is when can we expect to open? What what the works that what are the works that needs to be done? What can we do to to speed up the process? In fact, I think that you waited until pretty much March 2023, reach out to us, to our office. Um, then we schedule a site visit together on March 24, 2023, along with uh, DBI, with Department of Building Inspection, and to just kind of get an understanding of what the situation then. It actually took you, you know, you, you, I think that you were like, this is it. There's nothing else we can do. We don't know what to do. I think you, you exhausted every communications channel possible directly with Felton Institute, directly with the contractor, and then so then we landed here. Um, so I think that I do see uh, Mr. Algober here uh, from Felton Institute. I think that it's only right that he too be able to have um, a, a chance to uh, respond. But before we do that, it looks like Supervisor Malgar has some questions. Yeah, thank you so much, Chair Chan. I just um, had questions about money. <laughs> um, so what is the situation with the rent payments? So we actually decided to stop in March, if I'm correct. Was it Mar March when we stopped paying rent? April. April, sorry. So we paid rent diligently and hoping that things were just going to go forward. Um, we actually uh, needed to redirect some of the rent dollars into making repairs to things that had got broken by their contractor um, and also to try and like rent another space. We rented Rochambeau so that we could have art class. And, and so uh, the, uh, the payment of rent is either partly or wholly covered by your DAS contract or how does that work? It's partly, I believe, um, uh, but the majority of the rent is um, allocated to our community services, which is our biggest contract and yeah. really requires our space. But so you do get like an, an admin percentage? Yes. That some of that 50, goes to yeah. rent. And so while you were renting a second space in order to be able to a whole program so you could get income into your organization and pay your people. Uh, did you, did, was was there uh, an increase in the contract from DAS or did, was there any adjustment uh, from DAS for uh, No, but up DAS understood. We, we did have conversations with our analysts and they agreed that we could use funds. We're doing a budget revision, so we're going to move money, unspent rent dollars into programming. And so that's how we'll cover it. Yeah, but then you have to do the work for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've done to get a lot money, of work. You have to, you have, to have space <laughs> yeah. for it. So, um, okay, so my last question is, it did uh, at any point then uh, Felton reduce your rent or, you know, uh, agree to pause the rent? Or was there any negotiations about that since they weren't providing this? Um, no, they never spoke with us. We did get a call from their um, the property management telling us we needed to pay rent, mm -hmm. and I just responded saying, please talk with Al Gilbert. Um, we've requested a conversation, and, and we never heard back. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the questions, Supervisor Malgar. And with that... Um, like I mentioned, I think it's time. Let's bring uh, Mr. Al Gilbert um, to the podium and uh, from Fausto Institute and and be able to have a presentation and response. Thank you. Thank you very much, Supervisor, for calling the hearing. And uh, I'm here. I have not 
been directly involved in the project until um, some of the requests started coming for involvement from our board and some of the issues started being raised about the delinquency going on in our organization. Um, the 6221 Geary site is also a site that we operate our senior programs out of as well. And we have the ombudsman and we have a series of other programs that are also operating in the same building and some on the same floor and same on a different floor. Some of those pictures that you were seeing in terms of the condition of the floor now where the walls are open and the sheetrock is down are actually areas that Felton um, uses to provide its services out of those spots. But because of the construction, what I understand to be true is that the prioritization was given to the senior, I mean, to the Richmond Senior Center. And so that the Felton spaces are the ones that are the ones that are still uncompleted or unfinished and open as you saw in some of the pictures. Um, I do wanna say that we appreciate our partners at the Richmond Center. And uh, I've been with the organization for 21 years and we have been their landlords for that entire period. Um, and we've shared the floor with them for most of that entire period as well. And we have, um, the building has aged and there are a series of things that are happening now in the space because of its aging, and those are the things that we're trying to address. When I first heard about the challenges going on in the site, what I asked my team to do was to review what needed to be done. Um, I was in front of the Board of Supervisors maybe seven years ago when we had to do some construction in the building, and the concern that I had at the time was because ADA laws had changed, since we had bought the building and the amount of construction work that we were doing on the Kaiming Senior Center, I mean Child Center site, required that we do a lot of work and that work was going to trigger some of the ADA um, compliance issues in terms of accessibility to the building and all of that. So we met to ask for waivers for those things because the amount of uh, dollars that it would cost to change a concrete entryway into the building and all kinds of other things was going to be prohibitive and we were awarded those waivers so we could do that work back then. My concern when I heard about this project was the same thing, is that this might not be a small project, this might be a large project. Um, and so is it one of those things where we have to now get contractors to do major work? whether we have to shut down the center because there's asbestos, there's all those kinds of things. So how are people going to operate a center while we do construction work at the same time? Um, I was assured by my team at the time that they felt like in discussions with the um, Richmond Center that they could do workarounds and continue to do work while operations were gonna continue in that site. Um, we were coming out of COVID, so it was a resumption of services in the locations, but it was something that we thought could be managed, um, per my understanding. Subsequently, things seemed to not get resolved. Things seemed to uh, expand, um, and I think that the Department of Building Inspections conversation was correct in that if, in fact, permits hadn't been pulled to do work that had started, and then permits needed to be pulled and then additional work needs to happen, then that process is one that, as we speak right now, still needs to be evaluated because the issues with the leakages in the windows, windows 
surround that center, and if, in fact, we're going to have to do major repair work in the windows um, because of the outside of the building letting the moisture in, then that might mean that we have to do major construction in this space um, and not just the, um, what do you call it, cosmetic and the plumbing that's been going on now. So anyway, what I have done is I've asked for Anthony Chu to be here because he's been the contractor that we have been using to do most of the work and he'll have current updates in terms of where things are. At this point, we are responding directly to the permit process that the Department of Building Inspections has to make sure that all of the things that are done are done correctly um, and are inspected before the building can be closed. And so we have to do an assessment, I think, at this point. I'm going to suggest that we do a broader. I do have another contract manager that we brought in um, to look at this project. And we have to do a broader assessment to determine what the entire scope of the work is. Um, because we had hoped that we could reopen the center. Most of the space has already been improved. I would expect that 90% of the space or so has been improved because I was able to visit it during the holidays and see the holiday parties and the operations. So uh, the vast majority of the space is being used by the senior center. Um, and if that's incorrect, then either of you. Maybe 80%, but yes. Okay. And, and so the goal is, is that, and I know that the rest of the floor is still open because that's the floor that Felton's supposed to be occupying. So we can't really get to that part of the floor until we finish the Richmond Center part of the floor. But I'm gonna let our contractor talk about that because he's been dealing directly with the piece. Um, I apologize for the inconvenience and as I've shared, we've had a relationship with the Richmond Center for well over 20 years and it has been an amicable and supportive relationship um, because we both do the same work and we work with the same population and we appreciate them being our tenant um, and we do want to get this resolved um, but we need to have it resolved correctly at this point and uh, I did insert myself in the process to make sure that have tangible timelines and really understand what the project scope is for real. Thank you, Mr. Gilbert. I, I appreciate you being here today. I didn't, wasn't sure if someone from Felton Institute was gonna show up and, and, um, and let me just say this though, I would assume I'm not, I'm not a uh, construction person, I'm not an expert, but my assumption is that, you know, before you commence work um, in the winter of 2022, um, is that, you, you, your team, I don't expect you, um, you know, to know every single detail, but at least your team who are making those decisions around capital improvements uh, or in site management, asset management folks, will have a clear, already had a clear understanding in winter 2022, the scope of work to be done. And with that is to also pull permits before to proceed with the work. But clearly by spring 2023, we realized as we learned from both the Department of Building Inspection as well as your tenants, is that there was no permit uh, and work started without permit. Um, and it seems to me that as I am, because I actually been, I would say, I don't think I'm in all of those communications, but I, I think I'm in some, some of those uh, in communications, especially with city agency, just trying to understand the, the process and the scope of the work. It, it seems to me, though, there was never a clear scope of work 
um, to begin with, and then you sort of stumble along, not you, but your team stumble along the process of trying to figure out what needs to be done, can't be sure what it's being done, cannot continue to do the work, and it's been a year long, more than a year long process, and here we are. You can have your team, construction team, to explain the past and the history. What I do expect today for this hearing, though, is also moving forward. Um, I'm looking for the scope of work that needs to be done. It does sound to me, and I would love to get a clear understanding from you directly um, as the, the who's in charge, is that are you going to repair, like finish what's the work right now? Because it sounds to me you're, you have a decision to make ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Are you actually doing a major renovation uh, a rehab of the entire building, or are you only going to finish the work that you set out to do you know, in winter 2022, which it really, according to Department of Building Inspection and yourself, alerting attendance, is supposed to be about six to eight weeks, no more than three months of work. So in, in that sense, if you're finishing that specific scope of work that you set out to do, then you ought to be able to finish now. And is, are we finishing now? But then if you're saying to me today, no, I think mid-course we have changed our mind and to say we're gonna do major renovation, then when are you going to make that decision? How are you gonna make that decision? And when are you gonna notify your tenants and say it is time for you to move because we're going to do a major renovation? Um, so I think those are the answers that I'm looking for, for today. So I'm gonna start with where you ended um, about the scope of the work. That needs to be done. Um, which captions are you asking about? Don't worry, click. Uh, uh, Mr. Click, I guess it's closed caption. Thank you. Just wait for one second. Let's make sure we have um, closed caption ready on the display screen. I'm inquiring about that right now, Madam Chair. Um, I don't think I control that from Here. from my panel, but, uh, we will but I am to, working on it. Yeah, we, we will have to proceed, um, but we will do our best to come back with a closed caption. Yeah, totally understand. Uh, through the chair, um, I am hearing from SFGO TV that we are currently experiencing a, uh, a caption outage, otherwise it would be up. My apologies, but um, please. Okay. Thank you. So, as the owner of the building, it's important that, and having other nonprofits that are also using the building as well, that it is a safe environment, not just for the Richmond Senior Center, but also for the Felton staff that are occupying, also for Kai Ming, who's also in the building as well. And so we wanna make sure everybody's in a safe environment. Having said that, I do think that the building inspector uh, representative was correct in that you don't know what's behind the walls until you 
go behind the walls. And particularly for an older building, you don't know until you go into that space. And so having not had um, the kind of requirements that would have allowed us to have known what was in the space, we didn't know. Back in February, I think, is the original question about did we have an appropriate scope at that point. I don't think that we did. And nor did I think that, do I think, that anybody expected it to be the scale of the requirements for the work that was needed at that time. Um, there certainly have been projects that have been done over the years um, on small scales. And I think this probably started off being that kind of a project. But when you asked now about whether or not the scope was changing for the entire building or whether we were working specifically with the project that we've already started. I read in the violations or findings that there was a concern, as Coletta had shared just now, about leakages in the windows, um, about there's being some leakage around the windowsill or whatever. It is my understanding when I asked the question of my new contractor project manager about what is that about because there's no ledges outside those windows and they were suggesting that the building itself has aged and so therefore moisture is getting through the windows, through the framing, through the outside of the building into and causing that leak. It's just not flooding, but it's moisture that's happening around those windows, which means that they're suggesting that you might have to replace the windows to address that leakage is happening, which is not a small job to do. That is not in the scope of the project that we are currently doing, and it directly relates to the Richmond Senior Center because those are the windows that are in the space that they operate. So we don't have right now a scoping that's been done to determine whether or not that work is gonna require a lot of money and a lot of work in terms of replacing all of the windows there because of their age or the age of the building or the construction that supports it. I don't have that answer. And, and so to be honest, just to answer your question as clearly as we can, our immediate process was to finish the hallway. And the hallway is the hallway, because you've been there a number of times, I understand, that leads to that ADA bathroom. And that is the area that remains to be closed up. Um, the bathroom has been done, but there's just this hallway. And so that is the priority that we were waiting for um, the inspectors to approve that we could close that wall up so that could happen. And that is the number one priority. Number two priority was there's concerns about access, meaning that during fire or any other situation that emergency access hallway is also not totally completed and that would be another priority. But at the same time, in the same complaint is the issue around the window sills leaking and other things as well so that if in fact in the scoping of that it's determined that those things require more work, then we're going to have to figure out how to address that. So the prioritization stays the same in terms of making sure that that hallway is closed out and that there's access to that bathroom in a hallway that is drywalled um, and has proper electrical behind it. In the entire third floor space of which the Richmond Center has asked for, the additional third floor space that was occupied by Felton They've asked us, is it possible that they could occupy the entire floor? The entire floor requires 
that there be electrical work on the entire floor, that their plumbing needs to be done on the entire floor. So there's an additional inspection process that's going to be involved in closing up those things. That's just the way it has to do. I mean, it has to operate because those things are the requirements of the building inspectors. So it is our goal that we would be more than happy to have conversations with them about using the entire floor. It's just that that is a much bigger project and it requires all of the approvals from the city that are required and the money that's going to require us to do the improvements in an older building. I am more concerned about whatever the immediate nature of the window repair is because that sounds like a very substantial project. And as Golden Gate, I mean, excuse me, as the regional center has shared, uh, Richmond Center has shared, um, we have not been receiving any rent for the last 10 or 11 months, and we haven't had a conversation about that at all. We've been really more focused in on getting these costs done. So as a nonprofit who owns a building, who operates in the building, we also have to find accommodations for our programs because our programs can't be in the building during construction if we're going to make sure that their programs are accommodated at the same time. So all of those things have to be coordinated. So we're in a spot right now where we were hoping, based on the permits that we have received and the approvals that we received, that we could close up that hallway that we were talking about to that restroom, and then the scope of those other things has not been determined yet. I hear a lot in the information, which I appreciate. I ha what I have not heard is when we're gonna get this done, but I'm gonna turn this over to Supervisor Malgar. Thank you, uh, Chair Chan. I have uh, money questions about all of this. Um, so uh, how long has Felton Institute um, owned this building? A little over 20 years. And how did you purchase this building? With uh, what financing? I can't answer that in that I don't know the answer. It happened before my tenure. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not quite sure how that happened. Sorry, if that's, how, that's not how it works. Uh, but, um, okay. you know, with uh, public financing, right. usually, so, uh, you know, as, as Folks, no, I, I also come from a nonprofit background where we also owned uh, real estate and ha you know rented out to other nonprofits. Uh, and usually there's stipulations with public monies about who you rented to and under what circumstances and uh, what um, the asset management plan needs to look like in terms of capital improvements and all of that. So uh, how are you financing the construction now? project currently Felton has paid all of the construction costs associated with this project from your own assets yes from my is, understanding. And, and that's like cash that you have not debt it is probably cash that we have I see um, and uh, are you also in the position of um, paying for that from your programs. So I imagine that, that just like uh, the senior center, your programs get an admin fee attached to the programs that you're running that pays into the maintenance of the building, but you know, real estate that you occupy. Is that how, I mean, is that the case for your programs as well? We get rent um, in our contracts as does um, the Richmond Center as well. So that's the accommodation. There's no additional 
administration costs right. for that building. Everybody right. gets that. Right. So, right. but if you're prioritizing the senior center, does that mean that you are then not in a position to use that admin fee for your contracts to pay for the building? Again, for clarification's sake, the rent that we're receiving to run the programs that Felton operates on that floor, um, which are currently not being there, is used to pay rent in other locations for our programs to relocate during the construction. Um, and that is the amount of contribution that's coming from the city to support those programs that are in that building. Um, Okay, I'm a little confused that. about the so, rest of the question. Yeah, so because, you know, like you are both landlord mm -hmm. and tenant with Correct. your own programs for that building. Mm -hmm. And so if what you just said just now is that those programs are operating elsewhere and that you're using the contracts and the little admin that you get from the city mm -hmm. uh, to support the rent elsewhere for those programs, uh, you are then out of your pocket in terms of the maintenance and the construction costs for this aging building, and then you're not receiving rent uh, right. from your tenant as well. Right. That is the concern, particularly when we started to understand or contemplate what the cost might be for replacing windows and those other kinds of things that are concerns in the property. Because at having that discussion, it gets to the point where that can be a very large number there aren't resources sitting around for those costs as well. Um, and we have no way of knowing what needs to be done to accommodate that or the resources that will be required to accommodate that. But we also have not gotten that scope of what that might be yet in terms of having that kind of an evaluation done um, to find out what the greater needs of the property might be inclusive of those windows. Yeah, um, I can imagine. I mean, it sounds like it could be a whole lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm wondering, um, you know, uh, where we go from here. It seems like, you know, this uh, building is an asset um, and uh, the city has a large stake in it. Um, and uh, it seems like, you know, somebody with the project management skills uh, should be looking at it. Uh, in terms of the building being an asset to the city um, and making sure that, you know, we can uh, get you the support that you need to finish the construction because it's the, you know, seniors, but also it sounds like all your programs as well and the ownership of the building because I can imagine that you can only, you know, bleed cash for so long mm -hmm. uh, before, uh, you know, your organization suffers. So, okay, that's, that's the extent of my questions. Thank you, Supervisor. Thank you. Um, I, I think we can go into a lot of details at this moment, sort of about, you know, your longstanding uh, lease agreement and how, how is that agreement structured in your maintenance, site maintenance work. Um, and of course, we can also go into the deeper questioning around, you know, Felton Institute. Uh, as an institute, how do you manage your asset, mm -hmm. uh, what is your asset management strategy plan? And and we can definitely go into the details of that, but unless you, you feel like you're ready to, mm -hmm. to go into the details today. So we, Felton Institute owns, I think three properties. 
um, even though we operate out of 22 sites for the services that we provide. So we do have a property management team that supports the 22 locations, even though only three of them are actually owned by you know, the organization itself. Um, and then in terms of the asset management plan, um, I'm not prepared right now to address that. It's not something that I'm directly associated with or involved in. Um, and we have hired a new project manager specifically to hire to manage this property um, who's done a lot of work with Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Corporation, another property that we recently purchased for child care support in Visitation Valley. Um, and so he's working on that project right now. So I've asked him to come into this project to do a fresh look at it um, and a comprehensive look at it, Armando Vasquez. And, and so that's a process that was commenced recently, um, just a couple of months ago when I did my walkthrough and then I asked him to take time to support us on this project as well. When do you expect that assessments to be completed? So we're in two phases, simultaneously operating. One is what I've asked is to prioritize getting the hallway repaired so that they can have access to that bathroom without having to walk through. There's access now, as you know, to the bathroom. It's just that the walls aren't closed up. And so I, um, Anthony can give us an update. Mr. Chu can give us an update on the permitting process and whether the inspections have happened and whether we can actually close that up. Um, I think it's either already happened or it's about to happen in terms of that. The issue in terms of closing up the emergency access, which is a different part of the hallway, requires a little bit more um, work um, because all of the areas that are impacted by that also have to be inspected and have to be closed. So I'm not quite sure what the timeline is for that. Um, and the overall inspection of the windows and all of that has been requested and that should commence in the next two weeks or so, but that's from the contractor who's actually going to bring in somebody else to do an analysis of those windows from the side of the building. Um, I just don't know at this point whether that should prohibit the utilization of the senior center um, because it might not. It hasn't prohibited historically for years, but that's not necessarily the right answer to say that it's been leaking for years and we can continue to have it. So um, I think that we need to have a professional answer in terms of what that takes and whether there is a stopgap situation that can be done or whether it actually requires a whole, whole changing of the facade, which could be stucco, which could be asbestos, it could be all kinds of things. And that might require the appropriate fix. So we wanna do things correctly because we want this asset to be available for the city and for services for the future. So I appreciate that. Don't know the timeline on that. So the prioritization is still access to the hallway just so that the existing center can continue to operate with hopefully 100% access to the space that they need for operations. And that is the short-term plan. So it sounds to me, mm -hmm. and if I, <laughs> based on the information that you just 
provided again without any timeline. And I think that the, the best you came up with, it was justly the two weeks assessments for the window. What you're saying is that we're still um, not in the place where we can get a commitment or understanding when the actual either closing of the wall and the window, whether it's replaced or not, we do not know when these things will be completed or determined. Well, I want to be absolutely clear is that if you have your building inspector individuals come back up, they won't be able to give you that answer either. Um, and, and part of it is, is that it depends on what that scope of work ends up being and then what the related process is for inspections and scoping and all of that if we have to replace the windows. If we assume that we're not doing a major building restructuring, let's just assume that that's not happening, then the process of closing up the hallway is something that Mr. Chu can speak to right now because he's involved and more Happy to have him uh, to, to actually conclude. It sounds Thank to you. me though, it's the same issues that we have since winter 2022. Can't understand the scope of work. Don't understand the scope of work. Let's figure out the scope of work and but we still cannot figure out the scope of work and therefore we don't know when we're gonna be completed. So it's there's, the same there's thing. but there's a different option. One of the options is to relocate the senior center so that then the walls can be torn out, the work can be done, the windows can be done, you know, the roofing, wherever the asbestos is, can be done without people's lives being jeopardized. You don't want people providing services in an unsafe place. And so that was always the alternative. What we have done in working with the Richmond Center is to try and create a solution where they could continue to operate and we could manage the exposures to things in that process. Way more complicated process, takes a longer timeline because things are constantly happening in real time and then work can't happen while they're trying to do senior services at the same time. Yeah. They've asked us a number of times not to do construction while the seniors are there, which means that you're only working at midnight or in the evenings or late at night or on weekends because the senior service senior programs has programs even on weekends. So the other option is to move the programs out, do the work, and then you can control the construction timeline, you control the, you know, the costs, all those things, and move everybody back into an environment once the work is done. But we collectively chose to do a quasi-approach um, to this, which might not have been the best approach. Um, and we're still in the middle of that right now. But we can always choose to just do a scope, particularly if the scope comes back requiring huge amounts of work and huge amounts of money, then it might mean that we have to do something different. But let me let Mr. Chu speak to that because he has better information. Thank you, and I just Thank needed to the point of, I don't need to repeat of the scope of the work. I just Thank need a, a specific timeline if you can commit to it. Please go ahead. Morning, Supervisors. My name is Anthony Chu, owner of Acme Builders. I'm a state licensed contractor, registered with the city uh, to do work in the city with the building department. So um, let me, I got a little bit of notes. So why don't you, why don't I give you a timeline on how this thing started? So it started back in. I think only because we're, we already sort of um, have the timeline. Why don't you shoot me the questions you want answered and I'll answer them. How's Wait, that? We'll cut that, straight to the that point. That sounds good. Um, when are we going to finish? 
Uh, I need probably, depending on the inspections I have left, three to four months from this point, based on everything that's been going on. Uh, right now I have rough plumbing scheduled to come back next Friday. Uh, if everything goes well, I will get that signed off. I have uh, building, cover, insulation, and then the last one with the fire department. If they give me the okay, the walls go back up. Okay, uh, the other thing I want to make clear was uh, this business about the emergency exits. There's no emergency exits blocked. Everything's code compliant to the fire code. So there's two routes for egress as well as the elevator. So I don't know where this complaint about no emergency exit being blocked or something. There was a complaint. What happened was during the asbestos remediation, um, they had a machine blocking it and a plastic zip wall to control the dust when they had the negative air pressure, but that has been removed and has been corrected. Any complaints that have been written or violations have been written by the Department of Building Inspection have been corrected. I have all the paperwork and it should be in their system as well as um, that's it. That's pretty much the scope. My scope basically right now is to complete the second phase of the third floor, which impacts the senior center about roughly, like she says, 10 to 20%, which is really the hallway and the walls leading to a mop closet, three storage rooms, and a working ADA bathroom. Okay, the, the ADA bathroom has always worked back there. It was never taken apart, and they had an pro electrical problem with the door opener that has since been corrected. Thank you. I think um, it's, I'm going to leave it that. Just for me, it's really about when are we going to finish. I, I thank you so much. For yeah, that. and uh, like I said, um, if, uh, here, here's the second issue that I've had. The reason it's kind of dragged out from the time the violation was issued because uh, and, uh, Director Green could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because it's a commercial building, it needed plans. Anytime you, I can't just pull uh, over the counter permit, it needed plans, so I had to wait for architectural drawings. That's why there was a three month lag time, or uh, there was a lag time between the time the violation was issued and the, you know, permit was, the correction permit was actually issued. The permit was issued for in-kind drywall removal only, so I went ahead and went with that permit. When I called for the first inspection, uh, due to the eyes on this project, the plumbing and electrical wanted additional permits to, to oversee the project. Once they came on did their inspections, they noticed some stuff was not up to current code, so we've brought all that up to current code since, so we could move forward. Thank okay. you, I appreciate it. Thank you, and with that, um, Supervisor Malgar does have some questioning. Yes, ma'am. Of course I do, sorry. Um, so your, the scope of work and the permit that you now have is for drywall and for uh, finishing phase two of the construction? Exactly. And Mr. Gilbert said that um, we still don't know what the full scope of work because the windows are leaking, so uh, they may need to be replaced. I think you're getting the scopes mixed up. So my, it's No, I'm not. Uh, I think that you have a scope of work and Mr. Gilbert said that he did not know the full extent of the work that would be needed on the floor because it may necessitate 
uh, changing out the windows, which is not included in your scope of work. That is correct. Right, but but that's what he said. So uh, you, I, I'm asking you, uh, since your scope of work is for drywall, and Mr. Gilbert said that the windows are leaking, um, is it that you uh, think that you don't want to put up the drywall if the windows are leaking because the drywall that you've just installed is going to get messed up? That is not correct. Okay, so you're finish, You're going to just finish the drywall. I can finish it with or without the windows being replaced. Because that's not part of your scope of work. Correct. That's right. a separate issue. Uh, what are windows for are you. leaking? <laughs> for you, uh, it's well, a separate no, well, issue, not for Mr. Yeah, Gilberger exactly, or, yes. or the uh, The windows are not leaking every time it rains. If the rain hits at a certain angle, like let's say it blows like today, it's rainy and it's windy, yes, there is some uh, leakage coming in. But if it's uh, light rain, you don't have that. So it's not like every time it rains, uh, I get a call and put a bucket underneath or so over time it's cumulative. I see. And did you, uh, in, in observing this, did you test for lead on those window sills in the windows? I did not test. Uh, Synergy. I had an environmental company test. And did they find lead? On those, no. no. I do not okay. believe so. So, right. uh, and uh, getting back to the beginning, the reason I didn't pull permits on phase one was because a environmental company was involved as well. I thought that they had pulled the permits because they did the initial demo because that's what they do, the lead and asbestos removal. So I came and did the build back only. So there was some miscommunication in the beginning. I understand. But from this point forward, I, all the permits are under my name and I have full control over the build back. Okay, thank you. Thank you, I appreciate it. Let's go to public comments on this item. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, Supervisor. Thank you much. We now invite members of the public who have joined us today who wish to speak um, on this hearing or provide testimony to this committee regarding this hearing. Uh, to line up along the windows to your right and my left and uh, come forth to the lectern. And each uh, speaker will be allowed two minutes. This is the time. <laughs> First speaker, please. Good morning, thank you. My name is Kevin Casey. I'm actually a, a member of the Richmond Senior Center and I've been enjoying the benefits for five or six years now. I have a statement, I'll read it quickly for the time. Uh, the closure of the Richmond Senior Center's on-site activities due to the pandemic was hard for me and so many seniors in the Richmond District we used to go to the center for food, learning, exercise, and most importantly for many of us, friendship. When I heard that the center's planned reopening in late 2022 would be delayed for several weeks because of a construction project, I was disappointed, but I looked forward to the center fully opening its doors by the end of 2022. I can't believe it is now more than a year later and we don't have our center back. I have seen how difficult it is for the senior center staff to function with less space, especially when they meet with clients individually for confidentiality. Please do something so we can have our community back again. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for addressing this committee. Next speaker, please. 
Hi, my name is Don Machida, and I'm a proud participant of the Richmond Senior Center because it's a place for our fosters, a sense of community. Uh, we rely on the Senior Center as a place to build com uh, connection, community connections. I treat it as my second home because I'm so, but it's been closed for one year because of this, of this construction. I rely on this place to meet with my friends and neighbors of the Michigan District and to hear about different happenings in the area. Um, please consider what we are saying today so that many of more seniors can enjoy this space. Thank you. Thank you much for addressing this committee. Next speaker, please. Hello 所以這個中心沒有提供優質的服務,所以我們希望費爾頓能夠履行他們為我們社區服務的承諾,早日按照他們承諾完成這個建設工程。謝謝大家。I'll provide a um, interpretation and summary. Uh, Ms. Chan has said that um, nutrition and exercise is very important to me. I rely on this Richmond Senior Center to help me stay healthy. And due to the delay of the reopening of the center, um, it's been taking, um, it's, it's been inconvenient for me. And um, I wish that Felton Institute will fulfill their commitment to serve um, what they committed to do um, in providing the service to us. Thank you to the speaker for your comments and thank you, thank you, Wong. Hello,你好,我是參加Richmond中山的,就是午餐,就是活動,跟著又可以跟朋友、鄰居、父母,我剛剛退休兩三年,就覺得這個地方很好,跟我鄰居又可以聯絡一起,我自己又是住在Richm
once I started retirement. And I like this place a lot. I've been a resident in the Richmond district for over 30 years. And I participate in a lot of the activities in the senior center. Um, and as of now, it is very inconvenient for a senior who needs to go to the back of the building to use that one bathroom. Um, I wish leadership will take steps to reopen the center so that a senior who retired can um, use those surface in the center again. And thank you much for your comments. Okay, last call for anybody who wish to uh, provide uh, public commentary for this item. And if there are any further speakers, we do ask that you line up against Hello. the curtain. Hello, I'm Amy Lee. I've been in the senior center for a long time. But when I came here, I always see that there are many things that are not good. So I hope you will be able to do it fast. Give us time to know when it is good. So we can help our old people. Because it is 那我希望你們大家幾時即我現在想知道的答案幾時有人來幫我們的聲塔整好佢只是一個希望邊一日最緊要重要的時間講給我聽你們幾時來幫我哋整即希望你們早日完成不要一味拖拖咁耐拖
We have been the we were the original not the original occupants, but the building at 6221 Geary Boulevard was owned by Easter Seals since 1965. Uh, we moved in in uh, 1994 and occupied the third floor space ourselves for a period of time. We then invited families, what was the formerly uh, Felton, we invited family service agency into that space in the late 90s. Easter Seal then decided to sell the building. They were going to sell it commercially. We were able, with the help of Supervisor Yaki in District 1, who you may or may not remember, we were able to stop that sale and allow Family Service Agency to purchase the building for $3 million. So um, that's the history in the sense uh, that uh, Al may not have totally known. So uh, we were very happy to have uh, Family Service Agency purchase the building and you know they took over our lease that we had with Easter Seals. So, Basically, what I want to say is uh, we've been providing services for 50 years and uh, since 1990 in the Richmond District. So at Castro, it's been since 1980. So I'm very happy to hear um, what Al said, that we are very interested in acquiring the rest of the third floor space. And we do very much understand that it may take a good period of time to renovate that space and that's fine with us. Um, the big thing was that the handicapped bathroom does not have Speaker electrical access uh, to, to use it uh, for the handicapped Thank folks. you much for addressing the committee. Your time Yeah, I understand. Left. And the walls, uh, I mean. Yeah, so we have to allow equal time for each speaker, so your time has elapsed. But thank you much for, for addressing this committee. Yeah, thank you. Thank you much. Thank you. Yes. I do know that in, in yeah. <laughs> thank you. We just want to wrap up the public comments. Thank you. And Madam Chair, I believe that completes our queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Um, I, I think that why don't we do this? Why don't we do a, um, I, I just wanted to bring back perhaps the Golden Gate Senior Center uh, service back here to finish that, you know, the remark that you were going to make and, and just kind of, if we can do a concluding remark of what we really would like to see next. And it sounds to me, and, and here's, I, and, and I really did not want to do this in a public hearing, but this is the only time I got Mr. Al Gilbert, and also all of you here. You know, what it sounds to me though, like I think at the end of Mr. Al Gilbert's remark, which is to be frank, I have a same reaction initially was that it's an aging building. Um, it seems like it's challenging to repair. I'm not too sure, I don't understand the scope of the work, but it could be challenging. Any construction can be challenging and um, I wasn't understand, I, I did not understand where Felton wanted to go, whether you, in, it is Felton's intention to, um, to figure out, perhaps this is no longer a building that it wants to keep, 
um, because it's probably more trouble than it's worth and was what I try to understand today. Um, and I want to understand it today, but it also sounds to me that the Richmond Senior Center wants to stay. And in fact, not only just stay in its current space, it wants to occupy even more space, knowing that it requires a lot of work and renovation. So I am trying to understand, like, you know, are we, are we actually in the same space, in the same mindset between the landlord and the tenants is that the landlord wants to keep the building and the tenants wants to stay and that we're actually more, as, more or less is really approaching a space where we need a um, established communication channel that is consistent and frequent uh, that we need to establish agreement on the scope of the work and timeline and be a lot more specific about it. In fact, perhaps is to establish a written, um, some type of agreement and a clear understanding of here's the scope of the work, here's the timeline. Because again, I think thanks to Supervisor Malgar to really parse out between closing the wall and the windows, it's really two different types of work that we're talking about. And therefore the timeline of completion also it's different. But I also understand what Mr. Al Gilbert is saying is even if we finish in closing the wall, there's still the windows. So if we decide to do windows, then there's actually more work that would need to be done. So it makes seem then the construction becomes an ongoing impediment to your daily operation. And that work may not be completed in a way as Maybe you can find a way, and, and we have done that in city construction, is to facilitate facing the construction so our small business can continue to operate so that the street is not closed down. But that may or may not always be the most ideal. So I, I think today I'm trying to understand, as a concluding remark uh, from Mr. Al Gilbert, that it is Felton Institute's to, this intention to keep the building continue to lease to the tenants and want to finish this work. And then I would like to also understand from the Richmond Senior Center that it is also your intention to stay. Despite the fact that now you're actually gonna have a better understanding that the construction work may be ongoing, even if you finish one part of it, like closing the wall to the bathrooms in the hallway, there could still be windows that could still be coming in a in, in couple of months from now. So, Mr. Algober. Thank you, Supervisor Chan, and thank you, Supervisor Melgar, um, and for raising this very important question. Um, we are committed to keeping the building because we want to keep it in public use, period. Um, it has reached that time when it has aged, and now we're going to run into a series of issues. That has become clear. Our original goal, my goal now, is to finish the space so that the senior center has access. Secondarily, our second tier goal would have been to complete the rest of the third floor space, and that is a space that Nick suggested that the senior center would be interested in occupying, but it's got to be built out and that's going to take a number of months but he said he's comfortable with that. We still provide services out of that building, we do, as an organization Felton, as does Kaiming downstairs. We know that there are some issues with the background space, back, backyard space 
Um, and we've gotten funding through Kaiming and some other people got funding to make improvements to the building. So there has been a lot of public investment in the space, in the building at this point, to make sure it continues to operate. There does become an issue with the roof, which is another big piece that's going to happen on the horizon. Um, thank you for summarizing. The windows are important to me because I don't like the conversation that says they can just deal with leaky windows or deal with whatever happens, that that's an okay thing. If it's not an okay thing, secondarily, it could be an indication that there's dry rot or that the walls are rotting in the building because of the fact that moisture is coming in, which should not be the case. So those things do have to be addressed. They're major, could be major pro products, excuse me, projects. Um, but the priority for us would have been to make the internal space accessible and then to find out the scope of these underlying issues to make sure that there's no mold behind walls because of outside liquid, you know, all those things. And I can't, that's why I said I couldn't give you a timeline for that at all. Um, and then secondarily, the costs might be a really challenging, prohibiting kind of thing when we get to that kind of work and that requires, you know, additional financing and work and all that stuff. Um, so it is our intention to keep the building operational, to keep the existing tenants in the space. All of us have had a long tenure in the building, um, and that is our goal. Thank you. I just want to thank you so much for everything you just said, because that is what we wanted to hear. And thank you for having this hearing. Um, the Richmond Senior Center loves being tenants, and we love our space. Um, we've always really enjoyed being partnering with your programming, and we've had a really good relationship with you, so we would love to resume that. Um, we want to keep having these conversations so that we know what's coming next. And we are happy to write letters of support, um, to find funding, to make the repairs. Um, we're here for the long haul. We've been here for the long haul. Um, so I'm hoping that this is a really good ending for this. And thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Thank you. Um, so if I may, here I'm going to uh, come to a conclusion of this and because my colleagues and I are going to get to the rest of the agenda. It is time. I appreciate everybody uh, coming to attending this meeting, uh, which I also appreciate. Uh, I want to say uh, I think Mr. Anthony Chu. Oh, yeah, thank you. And so here's my, here's my uh, suggestions for all of us uh, today as a next step, uh, is that uh, for Mr. Anthony Chu to provide us on a weekly basis in the written, if I may be, be, to be involved in this, and along with DAS, I think it's only the right thing that, that all DASs also be aware as a grantor uh, uh, of the, your grantee, uh, how they are operating and functioning, and provide us a weekly report on construction. I've done this also with like Portsmouth Square Elevator, believe it or not. I get a weekly report from them telling me what the progress is, and um, so if, if that's possible with the agreement, of course, it's a contractor that, that you have, Mr. Al Gilbert. So if with that, if it's with your agreement, I see that you're nodding your head, is for Mr. Chu to provide us a weekly construction update uh, to Mr. Al Gilbert directly, as well as to the Richmond Senior Center and DOS, as well as myself, and that on a weekly basis, we are communicating, and we understand if there's actually issues arise, perhaps then we can problem solve together collectively. So that this way, if there's impediment on the operation, or the operation may have to cease and make arrangements to accommodate the construction, then Mr. Chu has actually uh, someone to be able to say, I just need help to be able to facilitate this. 
And I would love that for a weekly basis starting in the month of February. And then in the events that we really, Mr. Al Gilbert and his team decided that you may want to go a different direction, I hope that we then can have a different conversation uh, you know, about the building. And so with that said, thank you so much, and colleagues, if I may, and I am so appreciative all everyone here today uh, indulging on uh, this conversation, but sometimes it seems like that's what it takes to get it, to get it done. Um, and we appreciate all the seniors come out today in the rainy day uh, to, for public comments. We want to, we're committed together. You heard it from everybody. We're committed to make sure that you have bathrooms, uh, for the very least, in the next few weeks, um, to make sure that you have that done. And with that, I would like to, colleagues, if I may, uh, continue this item to the call chair uh, in the events that we need to bring this back um, for another hearing. And with that, um, would like a roll call, please. And yes, on the motion to continue this hearing to the call of the chair, uh, Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you, and the motion passes. And with that, please, Mr. Clerk, call item number two. Yes, item number two is a resolution approving and authorizing the director of property on behalf of the Department of Public Health to execute a lease agreement for continued use of, a, uh, of office and clinic space at 755 and 759 South Van Ness Avenue and the adjacent parking lot with AIM-2 as landlord. Uh, effective upon approval and upon execution of the lease by the director of property, terminating on December 31st, 2027, had a monthly base rent of approximately 52,000 for a total annual base rent of approximately 626,000 with annual 3% to 3 to 5% CPI increases plus one five-year uh, extension option and authorizing the director of property to enter into amendments or modifications to the lease that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to nor decrease the benefits to the city and are necessary or advisable to effectuate the purposes of the lease or this resolution. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, Mr. Director um, uh, Andrico Pinnick. Thank you so much for hearing from real estate. I almost like, all depends on how that last hearing was gonna go. I almost was gonna call you up and help us to find a new space. Missed so it close. by that much. Apparently they just... love each other and they wanna stay together as a partner. I uh, was as thinking, Chair Chan, that this will be a three minute presentation. And, uh, Thank you. But, um, Mr. Clerk. Um, I, uh, Mr. Clerk. I'm sorry, I modified the uh, presentation that was given to you and it is on the laptop. So if we could use that, I'd appreciate it. Uh, good morning, Chair Chan, Supervisor Mandelman, Supervisor Melgar, and Drico Pennick, Director of Real Estate. I'm before you this morning uh, seeking your positive recommendation for a resolution authorizing and approving a lease at 755 South Van Ness with AIM-2 on behalf of DPH, uh, the Department of Public Health. Uh, you see on your screen a picture of the clinic in question. DP, although this is a new lease, DPH has occupied this premises since 1981 and currently operates three outpatient mental health programs at this location. They operate the uh, Mission Health Center, which provides individual, family, parent, and group therapy to children and adolescents with serious mental and emotional problems. They have adult health, which provides outpatient mental health services, and the transitional age youth program, which provides mental health and case management and other services for adult youth 
age 16 through 22. Um, this lease, as I said before, extends the occupancy of DPH at this location so they can provide essential services to this community. The premises consist of approximately 13,545 square feet of clinic and office space. There's also an adjacent fenced parking lot of about 3,600 square feet, which the landlord is offering uh, free of charge. The term of this lease starts upon board and mayoral approval. Assuming a February 2024 commencement date, the initial term is approximately three years and 10 months. The rent, the annual rent for the first year is $644,930 or $47.61 per square foot. I believe that the BLA will propose an amendment to the resolution to um, uh, correct a typographical error in the resolution. Uh, the Real Estate Division and the Department of Public Health uh, support this amendment and have no objections. The rent escalation, it increases by CPI, bracketed between three and 5%. Uh, the prior lease expired on December 31st, 2022. The base rent at that time was $44.03 per square foot, net of utilities. We went into holdover on a month-to-month -month basis uh, where the base rent increased to $46.23 per square foot, net of utilities. That was a 5% increase over the prior uh, lease. We do have an extension option with this current lease. Uh, it is a one five-year option to extend at 95% of fair market value. I have David Bogogoni uh, from DPH with me to answer any questions you may have, and that concludes my presentation. Thank you. Morning, Supervisors. Nick Bernard from the Budget Legislative Analyst Office. Item two approves is a resolution that approves a new lease between the Department of Public Health and AIM two, which is the landlord of 755 and 759 South Franas Avenue. Uh, the lease has an initial term of four, approximately four years through December 2027, um, with one five-year option to extend. We detailed the terms of the lease on page three of our report. Um, and, over the, and we also note uh, that over the initial term of the lease, the city would pay approximately $2.7 million uh, in, in rent costs uh, plus utilities, which would add up to about $120,000 over that term. If the rent, if the lease is extended, the rent would be reset to market rate. <coughs> Excuse me. We also note that the city has leased this site since the early 1980s. Uh, and in prior versions of the lease, uh, we've recommended that the Department of Public Health uh, report to the board on potentially moving this, these programs to city-owned space. Um, we've had a conversations with the Department of Public Health about that recently, uh, and they noted that they are planning to consolidate some leases and also exiting 101 Grove. Um, and that's part of their facilities plan and their capital plan right now, but there's, they have not prioritized moving this uh, property to city-owned space, and there's no immediate funding for it. Um, I do think that there's potentially an opportunity, given that there is a public health bond scheduled uh, in November 2024, to perhaps include funding in that bond uh, for the, for, to purchase a site for the 
where the services could move, um, but it would take some time and to work that out. You'd have to work with the Capital Planning Committee and Public Health and the Real Estate Division um, to determine that whether the bond could support that purchase. And I also want to note that even if the site did move um, and the bond was approved, you wouldn't see any general fund savings um, until after the first term, at least the next four years, because it would take time to get the funds, identify a site, move. Um, so would, there would not be an immediate savings uh, to making that move. We do have a technical amendment to the resolution just to correct the rent amount, which is stated in the resolution, um, which is $644,000 upon approval and commencement of the lease. We recommend approval of item two as amended. Thank you. Um, just want to confirming that uh, it does have uh, an annual three to five percent increase on rent with the new agreement. That's correct, Supervisor. And that is still um, with market rate at this moment. I'll, I'll defer to the director of property. Based on our review of the materials, this is at or below market rent. It's a at and below. Mm -hmm. I, I concur. The rent increase is actual CPI, so it is by definition market. Great. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's just one of those. I got to do my due diligence. Um, I and I think that uh, uh, budget and legislative analysts have said something that in in this uh, analysis is really what. Uh, partly is what the board of supervisors have articulated, uh, even with um, Supervisor Asha Safai when he was on this committee. And I think you have said, you have probably heard it from other uh, committee members, including myself, that it's to consistently how do we do asset management as a city? Uh, what do we do like in terms of managing uh, and balancing between lease agreements that we know that we have to lease certain sites and how do we acquire certain sites, uh, given the fact that we have these conversations about many other leases um, that came before us about given the fact that right now the market perhaps is uh, favorable for the city to acquire something for the long term. And um, so this is, this is hoping that the Department of Public Health will consider. Uh, I, I am uh, inclined to approve and move forward with this lease because the timing of it, this is last till 2027. Even if we were to have bond funding and, and identify other sources, it's going to take us a while to, to get there, to acquire the sites and, and to transition us out there. Um, so I, I am I'm inclined to, to support and move forward today, but we just really urge that Department of Public Health, along with our real estate, to continue to work. Um, but actually, really, is looking to real estate and really our capital planning committee to think a long term, longer term, um, moving forward and from this point in and out. I know that you are a very small team, though. Um, City Administrator Chu and I had that conversation as well. We know you're a very small team. How do we like scale up your capacity and and really uh, figure that out for the long term? So we really appreciate your work. Just want to say that today. Oh, thank you, Chair Chen. I, I appreciate that. The, the topics that you've mentioned are very near and dear to my heart and, and always top of mind. And I would appreciate um, having the ability to have more capacity so we can take advantage of these opportunities in the market when they become available. Yeah, for long-term planning. Thank you. I don't see any other name on the roster. Let's go to public comments on this item. Thank you, Madam Chair. We now invite members of the public who join us today. Uh, who wish to address this committee regarding this resolution? Madam Chair, we have no speakers. 
Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. Colleagues, I would like to move this item to full board with recommendation and a roll call, please. Uh, Madam Chair. Uh, oh, the with the accepting the amendments from the, uh, I would like to make, I would like to move to amend the uh, legislation uh, as uh, proposed by and recommended by the budget and legislative analysts uh, to state the initial annual rent um, and then uh, also move it to full board with recommendation. Um, sorry, Deputy uh, City Attorney, looks like John Giffner has some things to say. Like, Thank you, Chair Chan. Okay. Uh, Deputy City Attorney John Givner, because the amendments will increase the amount of rent in uh, above the amount that's stated in the title, uh, the committee will need to continue it for one more week before passing it on to the full board. Thank you. And with that, then we would like to um, resent that motion and um, make the motion to amend and continue uh, for one week. And a roll call, please. Yes, on that motion uh, to amend the resolution uh, to increase the uh, initial annual rent as stated and to continue that resolution to the February 7th meeting of this committee has amended. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you, and the motion passes. And with that, Mr. Clerk, please call item three and four together. Items three and four are resolutions authorizing the Office of Contract Administration to execute modifications to contracts between the city and county and the following for the purchase of electro electrical materials, supplies, and fixtures for city departments. Item three executes modification number three to contract a 2A contract with San Francisco and Alameda Electrical Distributors, Inc., increasing the contract amount by 600000 for a total contract amount not to exceed $2.5 with no change to the total contract duration of May 1st, 2018 through April 30th, 2024. And item four executes modification number eight to a contract with Buckle Smith Electric Company, increasing the contract amount by approximately $2 million for a total uh, contract amount not to exceed $19.5 million with no change to a total contract duration of July 5th, 2017 through June 30th, 2024. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And uh, we have um, Office of Contract Administration here. Thank you. Good morning, uh, Chair Chan, Supervisor Melgar, and Supervisor Mendelman. Uh, my name is Anise Acevedo, Procurement Manager with the Office of Contract Administration, and I'm here to present items three and four together. First, let me figure out how to do this. Okay. Uh, the contract modifications in front of you are for Bucklesmith Electric Company and Alameda Electric Company. Both of these are citywide electrical supplies and fixtures contracts. Uh, these are both as-needed contracts, which means the contractors are not guaranteed any money under the contracts. The not-to-exceed values are a contractual cap, not a contractual commitment by the city to spend that amount. City departments purchase items as needed. Uh, funding is provided from each individual department's budget, which is approved in the budget process each year. 
Uh, let's see. Okay, so the next two slides will show you the contract expenditures to date for each contract, along with the top two departments, uh, department users, which in this case are the Public Utilities Commission and the Airport Commission for both contracts. Uh, the amount shown, and I'll skip over, this is Buckle Smith, and I'll skip to Alameda. Uh, the amount shown on both of these tables have been updated to fix the dates to match when the data was pulled. Um, with the corrected information, OCA should technically be requesting a small amount more for each contract. However, we would like to leave our requests as they were originally submitted and believe these amounts will be sufficient. And we've discussed that with the BLA. Uh, so the justification for the requested increases uh, to each of these contracts is that each contract's NTE will ensure city departments can continue to use these contracts through their end dates of April 30th of this year for Alameda and June 30th for Bucklesmith. Uh, while OCA works to replace these contracts through a new solicitation. And OCA just issued that new solicitation earlier this month uh, for the electrical supplies, and it will close in February, and we anticipate these new contracts to be in place before these current contracts expire. So I am happy to answer any questions that you might have, and thank you for your co uh, consideration, Chair Chan, and the rest of the committee members. Items three and four are two resolutions that approve amendments to Office of Contract Administration contracts. One item three with Alameda Electrical Distributors um, and item four with Buckle Smith. Uh, they are both for um, electrical fixtures equipment. Um, and as, as we detail on page six and seven of our, of our report, uh, the Alameda contract increases to $600,000 uh, we reviewed spending data provided by the Office of Contract Administration and believe the increase is reasonable. And about three quarters of that contract is actually paid for by the airport based on um, spending to date. So we recommend approval of item three. And then item four, uh, we have approximately a $2 million increase uh, to the Buckle Smith contract, which we detail on pages 11 and 12 of our report. We also believe that um, increase is reasonable and uh, about 64% of that contract is spent by the Public Utilities Commission. Recommend approval of item four as well. Great, thank you. And uh, I'm also glad to hear that uh, both are actually going to go out to bid and that you have results very soon. And that I we appreciate the work of having this um, extension until we get the new ones. Um, with that, uh, let's go to public comment. Yes, members of the public. Uh, who are here in person and wish to address this committee regarding items three and four. Now is the opportunity to approach lectern. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Colleagues, I would like to move these two items, three and four, to full board with recommendation. And with that, a roll call, please. And on that motion to forward both resolutions to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, I, Member Melgar. Melgar, I. Chair Chan. I. Chan, I. We have three eyes. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then, uh, Mr. Clerk, please call item five and six together. Item numbers five and six are resolutions approving the 2023 lease and use agreements between the city and county acting by and through its airport commission and the following uh, from the first day uh, of the calendar month following the receipt of full approvals of the city 
through June 30th, 2033, affirming the planning department's determination under CEQA and authorizing the airport director to enter into modifications to the lease that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the leases or this or the resolutions. Item number five is with seven airlines identified within the resolution. And item number six is with Starlux Airlines Company Limited uh, doing business as Starlux Airlines North America uh, CEO. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And today we have uh, Kathy Weiner, um, Chief External Affairs Officer from San Francisco Airport. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Good morning. Thank you, Chair Chan, members of the committee. Kathy Weidner from the airport. The proposed resolution requests your approval to add eight signatory airlines to the airport's lease and use agreement. The proposed resolution will add Aer Lingus, Flair Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines, JetBlue, Guitar, Airways, TAP, and Starlux to the 2023 lease and use agreement. This is the agreement that allows airlines to provide flight operations and rent terminal space at the airport. The lease and use agreement also provides a common set of lease provisions such as rent and fees and permitted uses in the terminal, as well as um, providing the financial framework for the airport to make an annual service payment to the city based on 15% of non-aeronautical revenues. The board approved the current lease and use agreement in June of 2023, excuse me, oh yes, 2023, for a 10-year term with 40 signatory airlines. As additional airlines start service and sign on to the agreement, the airport will bring new signatories to the board for approval to add them to the agreement. The airport anticipates revenues of approximately $361 million from these eight additional airlines over the remaining term of the lease through June of 2033 from terminal rentals and landing fees. The budget analyst has reviewed these additional eight signatories and recommends approval, and I can answer any questions you might have. Thank you. Items five and six. Um, would add eight airlines to the airport's lease and use agreement uh, that the terms and conditions of those agreements are the same that have been previously approved by the board. Uh, the leases have ten year or have a 10-year term um, and would generate approximately $367 million during that term for the airport. We recommend approval of items five and six. Thank you, and uh, I'm also just looking at the report. Uh, thank you that it's been going on since 2022. Uh, we appreciate the negotiation and, on, and the work that our airport commission has done. Um, they too have done their own vetting uh, through this process. And thank you so much for the airport staff uh, for all the work that you have done. And I just want to quickly confirm that, um, you know, just looking at, at this right now, is that we have, we approved um, 40 airlines in 20. The board supervisors has approved um, the lease agreement with 40 airlines in 2023. Correct. And then um, there were eight that initially did not sign on last year in 2023, but now they have, which is what's before us today. That's correct. Uh, and then with that, uh, that and, and the airport commission also approved that in August of 2023. That's why it's coming to us now. And along with Additionally, now we have these uh, Starlux Airlines um, in November that, that was approved by the airport commission in November. So together, the eight additional plus Starlux Airlines, now it's before us today. 
Yes, so the, after approval of this resolution, there will be 48 signatory airlines to the lease and use agreement. Thank you, uh, in its totality. And are they all ending at uh, the same time? Uh, yes, the lease and use agreement, which was approved in June, goes for 10 years. So the, the airlines, as they sign on, will just assume the remaining time. So these eight airlines will have nine years and six months on their lease. Thank you. Thank you so much for the clarification. I don't see any name on the roster. Let's go to public comment. Yes, members of the public have joined us today. I wish to speak on these two items. Uh, now is your opportunity to line up to the lectern and uh, provide your commentary to the committee. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Seeing no public comments, public comment is now closed. I'm really glad that we're here uh, and be able to have 48 airlines in the formal lease agreement um, before us today. Colleagues, I would like to move items five and six to full board with recommendation and a roll call, please. And that motion to forward both resolutions to the full board uh, with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you. The motion passes. And Mr. Clerk, do we have any other items before us today? Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.